The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nicholas Gregoratis podcast. I am your host, Nicholas Gregoratis. Today's guest is the second female that I've had on the show since its inception. And the first female guest I had actually appeared with her husband, that was Aria Beaker, who came on a few episodes ago. So today's the first solo appearance by a woman. And what a woman she is, it's Diana Richardson, who's the author of several books on tantric sex, which is one of my interests. And uh, sexuality in general has always been something that's been very important in my life. I'm a very sexual person and I have been so for as long as I can remember. So I've always wanted to make the sexual component of my life. I just wanted to get it right and, and do it as, as best as possible. And uh, I was reading one of Diana's books and I was getting a lot out of it and it was really affecting my life positively. And so I reached out to her and she was super cool, agreed to come on the show. And I think we had what was a pretty cool conversation. So without further ado, here is Diana Richardson, and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Hey, everyone. Please welcome to the show Diana Richardson, who is the author of eight books, including one I'm reading at the moment, Heart of Tantric Sex, and has also been teaching couples intimacy for over 25 years at a special retreat that she holds in Switzerland. Diana, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Well, good morning. Nick, look, it's really a pleasure and it's my honor to be invited and sorry to get you up so early in the morning <laughs> because we are living nine hours apart and you kindly were willing to get up early. So thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just happy, just happy you could come on the show. To everyone listening, I must apologize if my voice sounds a little bit gruff. I'm not really used to speaking this early in the morning, but uh, I'm sure the melodious tones of Diana is going to more than make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> so Diana, I reached out to you as because I, I invited you on my show because I'm reading your book, as I said, The Heart of Tantric Sex, which I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying. I'm finding it very interesting and very informative. And I guess let's let's start there. You know, this conversation, it's as you said before we started recording, it, it can go in many different directions. Let's start with your, your background now. How did you come to be the kind of person who's written a book with the title Heart of Tantric Sex? Because I'm sure that's extremely interesting to everyone. Yes. Well, I started my life in South Africa and actually trained as a lawyer and um, six years university. And it was the apartheid era and one wanted to do something that hopefully uh, beneficial or, or helpful. But when I actually got to the courts, I realized um, there was nothing I could do. Uh, that would be of support. So I decided to turn to massage. And because that had been like, it just my hands love to touch already since I was a kid. And so I went to the UK and uh, got involved in massage training, having clinics and, and doing courses, uh, massage courses. And that ongoing interest in the body made me actually explore sex. Of course, 
I was anyway curious about sex, but I got two pieces of like inspiration. And one was from the spiritual master Osho in India. And uh, he was talking in the 70s. Uh, to the public in India, in, in a community um, about Tantra. Um, and at the same time, a little bit around the same time, yeah, it was like 1982, I came across two talks. At that time, it was cassette tapes by a man from Australia called Barry Long. And he made, these talks were called uh, Making Love the Divine Way. So I just... I just thought, well, try these things out. You know, you're a body person. You you like being in bed anyway. So um, try them out. And I was like so blown away what a shift it made in my ex sexual experience. But it was also beyond sex, like what a shift it made in my life and how I felt in myself as an individual. My level of presence or awareness increased because I was practicing to be more aware in bed. And how I connected with men changed, also with women, that also changed. And many, many things kind of just started to flow more, more easily. Anyway, so after a while, I experimented for many years. Then people, because I was living in a community, people came to me and asked them, started to ask me questions about sex. And then I found it very easy to answer from my experience. And then that led to starting to teach people. And at a certain point, I decided, okay, let me see if I can put my inner body experiences into words. And so effectively that book, uh, The Heart of Tantric Sex, um, was an experiment. And it, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's so, cool. So that's how I got to write the book. So there was never any goal, never any intention to A, be an author, B, work with people around sex. It was more how my life kind of unfolded. So I am, you know, like talking to you, being invited on your podcast is um, a surprise to me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm so, as I said earlier, I'm so happy to be able to speak to you because there's definitely th this book. I'm not even done with it. I'm reading it very slowly because I want to really absorb the information. And, you know, the, the reason I'm reading that book is the truth is I'm an incredibly sensual person. I've always been that way since a very young age. Actually, when I was a very little kid, I had a sexual impulse right from a very young age. And at times I thought there was something wrong with me. <laughs> you know, it was like, I wouldn't say I ever considered myself a sex addict, but I have definitely been very strongly motivated by my own sexuality. And it's, it's had a deep effect, both positive and negative on all my relationships. And so, you know, I, I, was, I was reflecting on what I was going to ask you in this interview um, last night. And I teach martial arts for a living. And one of the, one of the things that came to me is when, when you look at a trained martial artist, you know, anyone can fight, anyone could just get in a scrap and fight, right. And, and swing their, their arms and, and, you know, grapple with someone in, in a very um, messy and unsophisticated way. But if you compare the untrained person in a fight to a, a highly trained martial artist in a fight, 
it's it's like comparing a water pistol to a machine gun. There, there is no real comparison. And I, I was thinking to myself, you know, if in sex you could be, uh, you could, there, there could be that same differential between people who are untrained and I guess unconscious when it comes to sex and those who are trained and and aware, the, the quality of the experience would be, I mean, totally different. And I've had a little bit of experience with Tantra over the years, just like, you know, I've, I've read a couple of books and articles and my mind's been open to it. So I, I understand instinctively that there is something we, we can all get better at it and the experience can be better for everyone. Would you say that's accurate? Yes, I would definitely say that that's accurate, Nick, because essentially, you know, we, we have the idea that sex should be instinctive, something that we know how to do uh, just from innately. But the fact is, is we all imprinted and we're all sexually conditioned and all conditionings are happening unconsciously. So we are all kind of like uh it's a kind of a collective thing. Every 99.9% people expect to have sex in a certain way. And because of this unconscious imprinting. And so there are so few people, bright sparks have slipped through the net and naturally make love in a different way. So, so let's say like this is that most of us are in fact not coming from really our bodies or our nature, we're coming more from imprinting of how sex should look. And essentially the basic problem we can say is that sex is very focused on the orgasm, on the goal. And that really creates a problem. So we, we have have this style that sex equals having a peak. And then if you don't have a peak, you have a problem. So yeah, and having a goal sets up many, many issues. And um, like for men, there's a tremendous performance pressure involved in sex, like having to keep the erection. But that's more like a secondary thing. What What is, because we have this idea we want to get somewhere, we really make it happen. So our minds and our psyches are forcing our bodies along a track that's not necessarily what our body would choose. Mm. And when one has a goal, it means that one's attention is a little bit in the future, right? Yes. Even if it's like a split second ahead. So like I noticed when I first started to change the way I made love and start to be more observant or aware that I was kind of interested in the next penetration, not the one that was actually happening right now, because the next always brings you closer into the goal or increases the level of excitement or intensity. So essentially what one can say is that we are absent while we are engaged in what I call conventional sex. Now, that sounds like quite a radical statement. The fact is we're very involved, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's being involved is very, very different to being present and fully engaged. So, and the thing with when one has, has this idea that sex is about building things up to intensity, then there's certain components incorporated into that, which is a lot of movement, 
nothing is wrong with movement, but it's generally speaking as fast as possible, uh, backwards and forwards, trying to raise the level of excitement. So it's all very sensation-based. And most of us, you know, would admit that actually sometimes we're we're basically quite mechanical. Uh, Sexual fantasy is very much part of sex because it raises sexual temperature. So this is the kind of the style that, generally speaking, people are making love with. And, uh, you know, it's not to say it's wrong. It is just where we are. Mm. And, of course, many people are, are happy with that. But there are some real problems that arise out of that style Mm. that cause a lot of self-doubt in people or thinking there's something wrong with them or yeah so it can be quite disempowering so the basic story (laughs) is to come to the present and more in your body instead of being much into thought. And in the way that you explain through the martial arts, then it's like, it's something very different. It's mm. the same, how to say, the same elements are involved, but the constellation is totally different. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really interesting for me. I think there's, there's parallels with life. You know, we're always ch- chasing that next peak experience, whether it's a raise or more money or some kind of achievement. And not really enjoying the process because we are, as you said, one step ahead or always anticipating the next step. Yeah. Whatever it may might yeah. be. And I'm guessing this is how you felt your life changes because not only did you stop doing that in sex, you, you probably stopped doing that throughout all of your life. Is that, is that accurate? That is really so. And what is interesting is when you take that ambition or out of sex or say like this, when we install more presence in that basic energy system, Mm -hmm. those qualities start then to reflect through the rest of the life. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like we often think, well, I have my sex life, I have my working life, I have my creative life, artistic life or whatever. But in fact, we are one system. And uh, sex sex is the foundation. So when you, anytime you start to fiddle with any foundation, the upper structures are, are impacted. Mm. So in that sense, if, if we all made love as a humanity in a, in a more sensitive, um, delicate, aware way, we would actually be living in a different world. Mm. I'm reminded of uh, an expression that it changed my life completely. When I heard it, I've referenced it many times on my show, which is how you do one thing is how you do everything. And, uh, I noticed that in my own life, if if I change one element of it, or if I change my approach to one element of it, then invariably my my approach to everything changes. And yeah, like so, if you're more present in sex, then you're going to be more present in life, etc. Right, right. Oh, I like that statement. Uh, hmm. How you yeah, do one thing is how you do everything, uh, and the best way to kind of in a very simple sentence to explain like what's the difference between what I call conventional sex and what can be called tantric sex or conscious sex. It's just, it's not what you do, but how you do it. Wow. I love that. Yeah. It's this, that's very powerful. I appreciate that. So, you know, you spoke about imprinting. We all have these conditioned imprints about how sex is supposed to be and you you also use the word mechanical 
And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent for this. This is a men's show. My work is primarily with focused towards men. And, you know, whenever I work with someone, I'm a big proponent of getting them to stop engaging with porn. Right. Because it's the way I always describe it is that in life, we, we generally have spectrums in, in any domain. And on one side of that spectrum is the best healthiest example of a specific thing. And on the other side of the spectrum is usually its shadow, which is generally unhealthy and not conducive to, to anything good. And I've always looked at, at porn as the shadow of good sex or, or, or real sex. And I don't know if this is true, but it's my instinct that Tantra is all the way on the other end of the spectrum. And, and these are the two opposing things like for many men in the modern world, you know, they watch a lot of porn and they get conditioned with these imprints that sex should be this very mechanical thing that has these several steps, which go from point A to point C, which is your, your goal. And then that's it. Right. And I always instinctively knew there must be something more to it than that, because that particular style engaging with porn and then, and then following the mechanical imprints that it imposed generally wasn't very fulfilling or it was maybe very briefly fulfilling. And then it left you with a, a feeling of literal and figurative emptiness. So the question I'm asking is what is possible on the other side of the spectrum? How good can it get if we, if we follow the tantric approach? Well, Nick basically is one is more fulfilled. One yeah. <laughs> one feels more loved, one feels more loving. So when you put these two things on, and the, there are different ends of, of the spectrum. And um, think about just to with porn is that essentially it makes one in the long term kind of pretty insensitive. Mm. And what people are seeing there is it's, it's unrealistic. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 you know being acted out and so on. Mm-hmm. And like you say, there is this feeling of emptiness, and people also have that feeling of emptiness even after conventional sex, you know, putting porn to the side, that you you have this um exchange, but then afterwards, after the peak, then yeah, you suddenly feel disconnected, like a little bit what I was saying earlier. You're so involved, and then it's just like and a poof, it's gone. And you go, well, what was that all about? Mm. And we we do know, like, it's pretty classic that men feel very tired after the loss of energy. Uh, women <laughs> do too. They lose energy in a more subtle way, but also. So there's this feeling of disconnection mm. to oneself, to the partner, tiredness. Women often will feel very sad or abandoned. So they are byproducts or consequences to how we have sex, but we don't really look at them. We look at like, oh, how is my peak? Oh, that was a great orgasm. Mm-hmm. We don't look to see afterwards because actually it's afterwards which is teaching us. Just saying, mm-hmm. hey, look, okay, it was like this, but how do you feel afterwards? And I'm only able to do, you know, share and connect with people the way I do now is because I, and I've said it quite often afterwards is my teacher afterwards is your teacher. So afterwards is your teacher as in you, if you're having sex and you reach this peak, you have an orgasm, 
how you feel immediately afterwards is yeah. an indicator of whether that's it's whether that's a good or, or like it's an indicator of the quality of the experience as a whole. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So then, if one has uh, sex with more awareness and less intensity and, and more relaxed and cool. It is possible to to have sex without having a peak, and that is highly recommended and because one then contains the energy. Instead of the energy going out, it's like it inverts and then implodes or spreads in the body, and that is so such a healthy thing to do. So one of the things that we do through this um, conventional style of always going for orgasm as a habit actually, mm. when we, we, we're losing a lot of energy. So it's like, it's, you know, in inverted commas, like a leakage, mm. we keep dispersing something which actually is, is designed to rise in the body, but through our psyches and our imprinting, we, we push it out because we go for that orgasm. We yeah. make it happen where there's a lot of intention and tension in there but when one allows the energy to turn and rise through the body, and the, and the body knows how to do that, it just needs to be given the little container. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to to segue into that because, as I said, I've, I've been interested in tantra for a long time. I think probably as much as twenty years ago, I started to to look into it a little bit, and that was actually my my sticking point because this this idea that yeah, like trying to not have an external orgasm and instead have an internal orgasm. And uh, I got to be honest, and I just found it borderline impossible. Like now that I'm a little bit of an older man, like it's, and I'm trying it again, it's <laughs> truth be told, it's still really, really, really difficult. Maybe not quite as difficult as 20 years ago, but I'd really appreciate some insight into that because it, I've spoken to other men who just say like, look, I've tried this thing and yeah, you can have this internal orgasm if you really work at it and, and really learn to delay gratification and, and transmute the energy and everything. But I remember this one guy saying to me, he was like, it's not a real orgasm, right? It, like, it might feel pretty cool and give you some sensations, but it's not really like the real thing. So I have a, a two-part question, I guess. The, the first is, is that true? Can, can an internal orgasm uh, really not match an, an external one? And secondly, for men specifically, how the hell do you do you control that that urge? And I'd love your insights on those things. Well, the first one, but is that true? Are they comparable, these two experiences? They have no relationship to each other. They are on totally different levels. Mm -hmm. Certainly when, when the energy inverts and spreads in the body, you feel tremendously fulfilled. You feel filled with light, uh, radiant, and so on. But it's not sensational. It's like totally ecstatic. It's thrilling. Mm. It's not exciting. So it's kind of different worlds. But the other part of the question is about men, like how to jump off this like uh, track, right? Mm -hmm. I think the problem is you're trying to stop one thing and replace it with something else. So in other words, you now have a new goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and that is a big problem. And it's, it's really a, an awareness-based matter is that you just start observing and noticing when you are heading for, for this um, 
peak and, and, and looking at the efforts that you're putting into it. Like if you notice your buttocks getting tight and the anus, relax it. If you notice you're moving mechanically, just stop and then start to move more consciously um, have eye contact, breathe, uh, all these things that keep you more in the present. And one can't say, okay, I've been making love like this for three decades. Now, tomorrow, I want to have this other type of experience. <laughs> Yeah, And people tend to do that. So it's more like one has to unwind and decondition oneself. And it's a fascinating inquiry to start using the awareness. So this is where this little statement, um, it's not what you do, but how you do it. And that how is with awareness. So the first thread to bring in is awareness. And essentially, it's all awareness based. And you just start to like, Become an observer in sex or more of a witness and start uh, observing when you go off on track, coming back to the moment. And after a while, and it is easier for some men than others, one does disassociate with that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, look, the body follows, but it's essentially in the psyche. May I um, challenge you a little bit on this, Dan? The challenge is maybe not the right word, but but I, I had an experience you know, this was 10 years ago or so, or so, like I was, I was away from my um, girlfriend at the time I was traveling for work and I made the decision that I wasn't going to ejaculate for the month that I was away. Right. Because I wanted it to be as for us to have a really intense sexual experience when I got home. And I remember towards the end of that 30 days, I was literally going nuts. Like I was it was difficult to actually operate in society, <laughs> like like to move through the world because my sexual impulse had become so unbelievably strong. I couldn't really think about or concentrate on anything else. And I guess, let's say we do master this ability to not have an orgasm or not have an external orgasm. How do we deal with that particular aspect? Well, often... The, the desire for sex is not really for sex. It's uh, what is making us feel a little bit horny is more stress and wow. emotional tension. Mm. And so that's often the motivator for sex. It's not often, oh, I want to love this person or be loved. It's really this thing of discharging tension. And sex is used tremendously as as a channel for discharging tension and emotion. Yes. I mean, that's why as soon as you have maybe an argument with your partner, suddenly you might feel, oh, my God, I'm a bit horny, right? Yeah. That's the tension. That's nothing to do with sex. And so then what we do is we go to bed, discharge the tension, and then pretty soon you get into the same cycle again. You might have an argument. and um, But certainly when, when men don't ejaculate, and this is after making love, like in the workshops, they suddenly do have a lot of energy and they don't want to do that, but that's different. That means, you know, go and shake your body, move your body, let that energy spread. But we're so used to, we're not used to holding energy, shall we say, containing mm-hmm. it. So that's why it's, it's un, it feels uncomfortable. But generally speaking, um, I mean, you're a body martial arts person, but generally speaking, people do not move enough in their lives. Mm. So um, we, we're very stagnant. So attentions um, don't naturally disperse if I was collecting water and chopping wood and so on. So this is often the when the stress level and survival 
tensions are, are huge in our society and getting stronger. And this all vibrates in, in the base center. But if we all moved our bodies, we would be much more relaxed people and in bed as well. So I, that's why I always I, we, we say to my partner, move your bodies every day, because then you keep down that other level of tension and then you can more um, be more present in, in bed or in your life and so on. That makes so much sense to me. And it, it overlaps with so many different things that I've, I've come to realize as truths that coming back to what you said a little bit earlier is the first step is, is this awareness, right? Just for figure out what's going on internally while you're in the process of, of having sex. And I've long said that the first step to, to solving any challenge or any problem is, is to shine the light of conscious awareness on it. And sometimes even that's just enough. That's all you have to do is literally become aware of something for you to, to solve it. But this idea of, I heard it interestingly, it was, it was by a, a pickup artist that I, I knew, one of the world's best pickup artists. He said that sex is, all it really is, is just a release of, a way of releasing tension or a way of releasing stress. And to me, I'm now understanding that that indicates he had a very limited perspective. Um, he had, he had, pointed towards a truth, which is that for most of us, that's what it is, right? It's, you know, you, you just like, you're struggling to survive or you've had a stressful day at work or whatever it is. And you just want to get to that point where you can do your thing, get it out and then just lie there and enjoy that release of chemicals and in your brain and, and just, you know, switch off for, it's usually just a few minutes, I guess. And what I appreciate about, about your work and, and, the concept of Tantra is that there's another way, right? We, we don't just have to look at it as this release of tension. We can look at it as this way of mastering not only energy, but mastering ourselves. Yes. And, and um, being more loving, being more connected and um, being more fulfilled. Yes. Because we're all kind of longing for that. And, and I think what you say about this observation that, that this person you were talking about, that what he said that is a reflection of what is known to him mm. because it's long been known that sex can be used or sex is a doorway to the divine mm. and uh, to more ecstatic spaces. And many of us have had um, ecstatic experiences often with the help of little things, you know, little medicines. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm one of, I'm one of those people. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. saw that. Yeah, me too. And I thought, okay, yeah. Nick and I are on the same train. <laughs> but it it is something that can be created in sex yeah. through conscious sex, through through being more aware, through being natural yeah. and uh, less ego. So actually, sex in and of itself is one of the biggest doorways to ecstatic experiences. Let, let me ask you a question that. It might be challenging and it's it's probably just my mind seeking to not want to to follow this path of that that you prescribe because it's it's going to be a bit more challenging and we all deviate towards comfort usually and and so the the question is okay if sex is i don't want to say that that you're implying it's the be all and end all but you're implying it's a very very important and big part of of life and being human what about the fact that look one day physically your body is 
probably just not going to be able to do it. Like I don't expect I'm going to be having marathon four hour tantric sex sessions when I'm 90. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I don't even expect that I'll be able to get it up when I'm 90. And if we follow your reasoning or, or your philosophy, then, I mean, when you reach that point where it's not available, where sex just isn't a possibility for you, then your life is technically over. What would you say to that? Well, I would say um, from my experience, I mean, look, I started when I was 32 with this whole journey, right? I'm now 68. Wow. Okay. In my experience of teaching, like, okay, we've had 18 year olds in our workshops, but we've also had 80 year olds and who are saying, thank you. These are the most important seven days of my life. Because when you talk about a marathon, it's not like huge action. It's like you're lying in bed, you're relaxing, you're breathing, you're taking it easy. And certainly one can make love in for a much, much longer frame. Okay. But then it also means we need to reframe erection. But erection is, is such an issue for a man and the source of his identity. Like if he has erection failure, he doesn't feel like he's a man anymore, which is absolute nonsense. An interesting thing I, I realized about, uh, I mean, scientifically about erection is that erection is actually a relaxation of the tissue in your genitals for a man, which blew my mind. I, I always thought it was more about like a, a contraction or a tension. And that I guess ties in a lot with what you say. Like, I think that's probably one of the reasons a lot of men have erectile dysfunction is because they just have too much tension within themselves, specifically in that area. Is Do you think there's some truth to that? Oh, absolutely. And um, also, like, if you have a lot of masturbation and a lot of um, mechanical sex, one does build in insensitivity in because the body can only take so much sensation. Mm. And then it numbs down. It's just like one of those things that happen, and it's undeniable. Mm. But, yes, certainly when one is relaxed and more natural and trusts the body, then erection will happen through presence, through love. But the thing is, erection doesn't always happen, and it's okay. It's Mm. not a reason to have any self-doubt. I mean, men know, women know about men, that the penis has its own life. Mm -hmm. And it does its thing. It's not like anything we can force. But now we get chemicals that we can force erection. But it, it satisfies only the psyche. And in mm-hmm. fact, the psyche is never satisfied. And I remember quite many years ago, a man coming, he'd done the workshop with us and he was just like, afterwards, um, he, he just decided he he needed to just, in English would say, bonk your bra- his brains out, you know, like mm-hmm. really go for sex. And he took Viagra and mm-hmm. endlessly, endlessly, endlessly went for it. And he just wrote to me and he said, it's just never ending. Doesn't yeah. matter how much sex I have. I'm never satisfied. <laughs> and so it's it's something in the psyche. And the thing is, if it was really fulfilling, sex as we know it was really fulfilling, we wouldn't want it the next day again or the next day again. Mm. Uh, because fulfillment means I'm filled up, right? Yes. So What a great observation. Yeah. <laughs> so if one just starts to make love as one normally makes love, and this is... And then you start to bring awareness in and you start to observe when you tense and you, you know, when your shoulders, your bum gets tense and then 
you relax, you have eye contact, you breathe, you stay more present. If you come along the way, uh, if you ejaculate or, or have an orgasm, at least stretch out the time of the exchange because then sure. one could make love for an hour, an hour and a half. And then, okay, we want to finish with an orgasm and we ramp it up a little bit. And that is what many people do. And I used to do that in the beginning as well because it's there's kind of like this need we need to finish. And people often say, and it's really funny, well, if I don't have an orgasm, how do I finish? So it is like the full stop. We don't know what to do if we don't have a full stop. But if you if you contain the energy and if you don't bring it to a peak, honestly, you just feel energized, you feel uplifted, you feel loving, the, the bond with the person, your partner continues. It's not like switch on, switch off, or connect, disconnect. But it is, it is a journey, it is a process, it's an inquiry, I call it, or an exploration. It, it's... Um, well, we are sex, Nick, right? We're born out of sex. We are sexual beings. And I like mm. what you said about you know, from a very young age that you were very sensual. It was the same happened to me from very, very young. Mm. I was already curious. I was already creating situations where I could learn stuff mm -hmm. or play around with things. And, you know, our sensitivity has been so disturbed by living in puritanical society or moralistic mm -hmm. society or unnatural society that we we we've become disembodied right mm -hmm. so we're all walking around in bodies but very very few, few people are in their bodies so that's why yeah. it's really great that you do this martial arts to help people uh, come in the body so I only have a couple more questions for you Diana uh, you've been so insightful and shared so many profound truth. It's been wonderful speaking to you, but I have, um, you know, what, what really piqued my interest when I was looking at your, when I started reading your book, the, the thing that actually was pivotal for me in, in wanting to have you on the show was, or, or instrumental in me wanting to have you on the show was you mentioned this idea that as time progresses with the vast majority of couples, the sexual attraction, uh, usually fades, right? And I know it's been my, my experience in the past that that's generally the case, right? Even, even if I'm doing other sort of tantric practices, like not masturbating, not watching porn, trying to be present and aware, it's been my experience in all of my many relationships throughout my life that eventually I just get to the point where I'm just craving novelty. I just, I just have to find another woman, right? Or, or some sort of novelty. and. I've always, <laughs> it's tied into a, another question that I'll ask you later, but that's been one of the things that I've, if I ever like meet God, if God isn't a personal being that you, I could have an ex, uh, a conversation with, with, which I don't believe it is. But if, if it was, I'd ask the question, like, why did you design us like that? Why did you design men like that, right? That they are just constantly wanting new sexual conquest. And your line in your, or I'm paraphrasing, but what, what you said in your book is that if you, if you practice sex this way, the attraction and the polarity between couples can actually increase over time. And I really hope that's true. I have reason to believe it is true because with my, my girlfriend at the moment, I am sort of noticing that that is starting to happen. I'm feeling 
because I'm, I'm really trying to embody some of these practices you speak about. And I'm, and I'm feeling like there's a, a growing attraction between her and I. So I just want to know, yeah, is, is that, is that true? Can it be maintained? Can it be enhanced? And, and I just love some perspective on that. Um, yes. Well, Nick, the fact that you are experiencing that in little in ways with your girlfriend really is like a taste of what is possible. The thing is with God, God didn't make man like that. If there is a God, mm-hmm. it's more, we must, we, if we question the style of sex, that is the problem because mm-hmm. it's all sensation based, excitement based. It's to do with raising the sexual temperature. And we have the belief that the hotter, the better, but you can't stay hot forever. Mm-hmm. You have to cool down. So if you start already, or you, start to, especially in the beginning of a relationship, if you start on a cool base, you never go through this, um, how to say, this thing of like when the honeymoon is over, like many Mm. people talk about it. So that means you're bunking your brains out and then suddenly it snaps because the body can take only so much heat, so only so much intensity. And what happens in the case of women is their body starts to close down and lose interest in sex. And that, that's one of the, the, the biggest problems that, that men, that women face. And, and that's also a problem for man because he's interested and she's not interested. Mm-hmm. And, and in the workshops, I've asked women, how many women have experienced this, that they totally engaged in sex and then boing, it stops and they withdraw interest and, and they close down. And I said, it's not a psychological problem. It's not anything any of us wishes to happen, but it happens. Mm-hmm. Raise your hands. And every woman will raise the hands saying, yeah, that happened to me. I didn't want it to happen, but it happened. So there is something in the way we bring our genitals together that is determining uh, many, many things. And one of them is, in the case of men especially, is this constant need for change, for stimulation, but using the outside sources to keep oneself alive instead of inverting that and mm. how can I just be more aware and work on my senses right and, and let go of sensation or reduce sensation and, and increase sensitivity. So, yeah, it's just a very different person, how you feel. Mm. And um, when you start to, to, to bring awareness and, and I would really suggest that you don't think of I'm doing a tantric practice. Okay, mm. you might want to do a breathing exercise or something, but don't separate these things. Like mm. I do this or that. It's just like, okay, this is how I make love, you know, according to how I've been doing it for decades. And into that, you start feeding more and more awareness. And then that slowly things start to unwind. And with that, you change. Mm. You you change as a person. So I think that's important That because many people think like this, uh, you know, it's this or that. And me personally, I'd, I was not, I didn't really, wasn't really interested in Tantra. I was interested in changing the way I made love. I was interested in making love and changing it. I was curious about that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that, that helped me. So it's not like I had a goal, like now I'm doing this because we talked about it in the beginning, like that's an, a new goal, but it's like, if you, if you having regular sex and doing Tantra, this causes a split inside you. That if you say, okay, where I am is 
in this regular sex pattern. Now I start to bring more awareness in. It's just like no, no rules, just a lot of tools. And, and a lot of tools are given in that Heart of Tantric Sex book. And um, just make it just playful and just keep observing and watching and make a lot of love. Make love more often. <laughs> Which okay. anyway is great. M- mission accepted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Diana, last question for you today. It's a little bit out of left field and may or may not be related to the topic at hand. And that is, what question do you want to ask the universe? If you could ask any question and know that it would be answered, what would it be? <laughs> no questions to the universe. My- oh, wow. oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just take the moment and- comes yeah wow yeah, okay yeah. i love it not what i expected but that's a great answer if those listening to this want to find out more about you and your work where's the best place for them to go diana website is livinglove.com or loveforcouples.com and all the books are there and different interviews and ted talk and so on and yeah it's, it's good to look around there is a book for men specifically tantric sex for men which can be of value but i think the main thing is make it a play and be curious because it is very interesting <laughs> sure that's that's that specific choice of words of yours i i i think there's something to it this it's just get curious and i i really um believe that if if you have a challenge in any aspect of your life, or if you want anything to get better, any area of your life to get better, the first step is curiosity, which is tied to that idea of the first way to solve any problem is to shine the light of conscious awareness on it. That's right. And I wanted to comment, I know you wanted to finish, but I want to comment on that because essentially when you start to bring awareness into sex, you, you shining light onto sex and sex is in the basement and the basement's usually a bit dark <laughs> of anything. And so shining the light on really has such a, an illuminating effect um, for the rest of the floors. Mm. And uh, yeah, Nick, great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Diana. You're welcome. You take care now. That was awesome. I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with Diana and you can tell that she's sincere. You can tell she knows what she's talking about. And uh, I think this, this particular topic is so important for men to, to really understand and to expand their, their knowledge and awareness of, you know, if you're like me, you like sex, right? I've never met a man with decent testosterone level that wasn't pretty sexual. And, you know, if having sex is one of the most enjoyable things we can do, then we should really look at how we can, you know, increase the amount of time we're doing that, to put it bluntly, you know, just maximize our our enjoyment of this thing. And uh, as I said in the intro, I read one of Dana's books and putting into practice not even everything I learned in there, just a few of the things I learned in there has already improved the quality of my sex life immensely. And uh, I'm going to keep reading more of her books and keep putting more of that stuff into practice. And I, uh, I hope you guys do too. Remember, if you want to find out more about my other work and the other things I do, you can always do that at coachnickg.com. Head on over to coachnickg.com. And that's Nick without a K. And you'll find all my stuff. You guys will probably get this just before the holidays. There might be one more episode before the holidays. So 
but they might not be if this is the last episode before the holidays, before Christmas. I want to sh- wish you guys a truly blessed Christmas. Thank you so much for listening with me over the course of the last year and being on this journey with me. And I appreciate you all more than you know. Until next time, remember, we're all alone in this together. <laughs>